walk line and put the needle to the grind. Representing one kind, see an eye for the blind. Witness what I carry on, bears a further purpose. Welcome back to the Drive Podcast. I am your host, DJ Quest One. I have a old friend and a business entrepreneur. His name is James Oliver. He is the owner of Vesper Wines. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from, and what what brought you? You know, you're you know getting into into wine. Well, I uh, born and raised uh, in Southwest Houston. Mm-hmm. I went to Dallas High School. I actually grew up in Stafford, Sugarland, Missouri City area. That's kind mm-hmm. of where a lot of my roots uh, reside. And, excuse me. Went to went to Dallas, as I said. Um, high school and went to Dallas Middle School, Missouri City Middle School. You know, back in the 90s, uh, you know, we're talking about 94 to like 96, my parents yeah. started introducing me to the entrepreneurial side of life. And, okay. Uh, you know, they started small businesses in uh, Missouri City, we owned a barbershop, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they really kind of started teaching me the simple and basic steps for entrepreneurship. You know, just to the, the accounting side, uh, the inventory side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't really into it back then. You know, yeah. Still into high school and, and, you know, different stuff like that, hanging out with friends. But, uh, yeah. you know, I saw them. Uh, they, were, they would drink wine all the time. They would hang out with friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, they would drink wine and cook food. And, and I kind of grew up around wine. Right. And, uh, you know, as I got older, they started introducing me to mm-hmm. More wine, you know, when I turned 21. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I turned 21, they started more businesses. Mm-hmm. And I'll really say, we're looking at 19, I would say 97 is when we started our vending company. Vending company, okay. And, uh, you know, we, my parents made me in charge of the sales side of the vending. So, you know, kind of what my responsibility was was to mm-hmm. acquire accounts all over the city. Yeah, you know, I started from one account. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about 18 years old, and um, you know we just grew from there. And, and that's when I really started to transition more into entrepreneur. I started thinking like an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And, uh, got into beverages. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, our bidding company consisted of sodas, and snacks, and uh, we supplied soda, soft drinks, and stuff like that all over the city. And yeah, five year, five year period. Uh, we I grew it to like 50 accounts. Oh shit! So I was like, you know, 21 years old and hustling. Yeah, yeah. We, Damn. We, we were we were grinding it out, man. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I was I was so driven by the sales side and just really connecting with people. Yeah. You know, that, that's where I really got my passion, love, entrepreneur, connecting with people. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. And and so uh, when I first met you, you already had a passion for for wine. And uh, the the thing is, like, you know, I, I, I drink wine. I don't know anything about it. You know, I know that now I know a little bit of it, but I know that it's red wines, white wines. You chill the white wines and all kinds of stuff. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to learn. Yeah, there's a lot to learn the temperature. And so just tell us, like, uh, when you got into it, did you did you already know what you wanted or you just kind of what what led you to that pathway? Besides, you know, your entrepreneur. I would say, you know, kind of all went back to my parents. They, when I turned 21, we were, excuse me, we were big 
big foodies. You know, I always been big foodies and we go out to different restaurants. They started telling me a little bit more about it. We started, uh, you know, we would travel to different places, yeah. different islands and stuff like that. And once I became 20, 21, 22, uh, I started trying different grapes out and stuff like that. And uh, kind of transitioned to, you know, I started drinking throughout my mid-20s and stuff like that. I would really say that I got introduced more to it when I moved to Atlanta. ATL. About, uh, yeah, the ATL. Mm-hmm. Chocolate City. Chocolate City, right. <laughs> so, you know, it was it was, uh, it was was a big movement for African Americans. And uh, I just like what African Americans were doing in Atlanta. It was, it was a big, you know, hip-hop mm. boom. And, yeah. Uh, that became a mecca of African Americans. And when I moved there in, uh, let's see, 2008. Yeah. I moved there and I was still in the IT industry. And I was computer uh, IT technician, and I started meeting different people in the yeah. food and wine industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, started meeting chefs, and they own restaurants, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I really started going around and trying, you know, Greek wines and, and yeah. South African wines and French wines and Italian wines. And you know, when the recession hit in two thousand eight, yeah, fucked up. It was messed up for everyone. Man, it, it got tough. And, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't find a job six months wow. and uh, you know I, I really kind of lost myself and mm-hmm. didn't really know what direction to go I was in a new city you know uh, I had just only a couple friends at the time that were actually in, in Atlanta I had a friend that moved there with me and we were kind of going through the struggles and I, I, I actually went and started going to a wine school and it was the Atlanta wine school in my spare time really yeah and that's when I really started getting in more into the regions and stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. At that time, I still wasn't I still wasn't serious about the industry. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I actually kind of to, to kind of back it up. Right before I moved to Atlanta, I was working IT during the week. Yeah. And during the weekends, mm-hmm. I started doing wine tastings at grocery stores all over Houston. Okay. So I was just doing it for the money. You know, make extra money. Yeah, I was I was 27, 28, and I wanted to get more money to move and transition to Atlanta. And uh, I found I was great at it. You know, and I started selling out of wine. I started selling wine at Whole Foods and Sugarland. Yeah, uh, I was going to Specs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just really kind of looked around and was like, wow, I'm the only African American male that was doing wine tastings. Yeah, and uh, just kind of really opened my eyes on how, you know, it's such a small percentage of African-American males in the wine game. Mm. So, you know, so when I moved to Atlanta and I went to the wine school, that really kind of fast forwarded me back into the wine game. Right. And uh, I started studying and I, I, you know, I failed my test. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't serious about it. So you be a, so you could be a sommelier? Yes, a sommelier. And, and at the time, I didn't even know what a sommelier was. Yeah, those guys. Those, it's a good career, though. I, you know, I didn't know about it until like I, I did more research, and I was like, they get paid just to taste wine. They get paid just to taste wine, and, and that's what's interesting about different yeah. Classes. So, you know, you have different levels of sommeliers. You have uh, quarter quarter soms, uh, mm-hmm. which is certification at school that you go to mm-hmm. to uh, kind of put you more into the service side uh, and the restaurant industry. You know, they, they work at restaurants, and when you go in a restaurant, they are the guys that 
mm-hmm. pair up your food and your wine, but then you have a WSET, which is a Wine Spirits Education Trust. That's what I'm certified in, mm-hmm. which is on the spirit side, okay, on the business side. You know, so that's why I went to the Atlanta Wine School and started studying the WSET, the Wine Spirits Education Trust side, because I knew I was more. Uh, had that entrepreneur spirit and mm-hmm. that, that background and that experience and it kind of coincided with who I was as an individual at the time. Damn, that's that's dope, man, because uh that movie uh, is it called Court? Is it Court? Uh Uncork. Uncork on 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 Netflix, guys. It's a very good movie about this guy that wants to do wine, he wants to be a sommelier and mm-hmm. and, I, and I thought about you. I was like, that's that's James right there. Yeah. Yeah, guys, definitely check out that movie if you haven't seen it. Oh my goodness. And it's barbecue too. Yeah. Barbecue and wine. Yeah. Perfect combination. So it's uh yeah, you know, and you it's it's interesting because I I can kind of really relate to that movie because my dad mm-hmm. wanted me to take over our baby business. Dang. You know, and we're talking about two thousand two, two thousand three, and I and my heart just wasn't in it. Yeah, and uh, it, it kind of shows me where uh, that movie relates to my life a lot. Where you know that particular area in the entrepreneurship, I wasn't passionate about with my family, and uh, you know I went. That's why I went into the IT and the wine side, and uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to pursue a different path. You know. Yeah, that's that's funny you say that because you know in this life, when it comes to picking a career, and it's like. Like, you know, some people already have everything mapped out when they're in high school. Some people don't, you know, like me, I, I was like, ah, I want to, I don't know what I want to be. I re- originally wanted to go to LA to be an actor. I was like, you know what? But then yeah. I became a young dad and then that shit, like, like that was on a whole, you know, I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. But like what you're saying is like, you always knew about wine, but then when you later on, you're like, I like, I'm good at this. I, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And you just follow your, your, your path. And then here we are, you know, you got your thing set up and, yeah. uh, well, so tell us about this business. Um, is it, what do you basically do here since you have, it's called Vesper Wines and it's off of 1960 for the people here in Houston and people that that are visiting, you know? Yeah, we, um, so my wife and I, um, you know, and I, I would kind of speak on what you're saying. I would kind of say through adversity and through child and tribulation a lot, you know, speaking back to Atlanta, when the recession hit, yeah. you, you, that's when you really kind of find yourself and you started studying yourself, and I would say, just know who you are. Uh, there you go, advice. Advice. Mm-hmm. You know, really, don't drown out the noise, and you just kind of have to drown out the noises of, of the world and distractions of family and friends, and just kind of really hone in on your talents, your and, skills, uh, your skills. Just keep working on that, and, and yeah. that's I think that's so important, and you don't realize how much you develop and evolve. Right. Person. And, and I really learned a lot in the lab, man, and uh, just evolved and, you know, just really came to a conclusion of what I, what I really wanted to do in life. And it brought me back to Houston, you know, uh, 2014. And mm-hmm. I met my girlfriend at the time. Uh, you know, she, I said, I, I wanted to get back into the wine tastings, you know, mm-hmm. um, doing it at the convenience store. She says, why don't you start your own? business so she helped me get my llc and uh we, we named it vesper well where's vesper come from so vesper you know i'm a big james bond fan man i, I consider myself I, I always wanted to be there 
look like James Bond wine, right? Yeah, I heard the new character is supposed to be a black really? guy. Yeah, the new James Bond. Yeah. That's dope, man. That's dope. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we're, 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 the world consists of diversity, and I've always you know, believed in everybody having equal rights and uh, mm. diversity. And, and it, it's time, man. I mean, you know, it's time for, you know, Hispanics and, Latinos, you know, yeah, Latinos, nah. African Americans to really reach beyond what uh, they they normally want, and not to say that we haven't done that, but I think now is the time to kind of really evolve, transition ourselves, and mm -hmm. step our game up in different areas of the world. Man. Yeah, you know that. It's funny thing you say that because I, I had um, Akon has his own energy business. Like this guy is, yeah, you know, and and he said that he tried to buy, he tried to get into it a number of white people. And he said he went to Africa and he he got with some vendors for solar panels and yeah, did yeah. his own thing and it's just yeah. amazing man like he he was resilient yeah. about it, it and is, and yeah. he and and no one ever talks about it there's never like a news like this guy is providing power for people in Africa that don't have power yeah. and they don't even talk about it you know yeah. it's, it's yeah. sad yeah. it's very sad you know yeah. what I mean but he followed his passion like 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 yourself you know he's like oh, I'm gonna do it you know I don't care there's there's, there's 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 a uh, eight white people here in this room. I'm the only black guy. That's okay. I, I'm yeah, gonna. It's I'm, fine. It's fine. You know, it's, fine. It, it's interesting because you know I'm so grateful and mm -hmm. blessed to travel. I've traveled the world. I live in Africa. And, uh, you know, I was I had the chance to uh, you know in Atlanta again, um, and I got my passport. And, and you know, I encourage African Americans to get their passport. Oh yeah, and travel. Go back to their roots and travel. And you know, you just just exposed to so much more in the world. I was meeting people from all around the world. And I lived the power struggle there. I, I was walking down the dirt road. Dang, and this the lights went out. And I had running to, water. Running water. I was taking baths and buckets, and you know, that's, uh, that's buckets of water and cold water at times. So that's a humbling experience when yeah, you know that 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 happened to me when I was in San Antonio and the the water heater gave out so it was no it was no it was all you know cold water yeah so you know what I did I got the bucket I got the big you know, was it five gallon buckets and put warm the water up mm -hmm. put it in there and then did then got a cup right. hey right. dude you, <laughs> you, right? you know, yeah man it was amazing man I had a really I, I really connected people there, I, I went white water rafting, and, and uh, you know, I went on the Nile River, I went on these excursions. Uh, the lions and all that stuff. And I went on uh, safaris. Safaris. Times. Uh, I went shark diving. Shark the diving. Whites, the great white sharks in uh, South Africa. So I got to experience a lot of the wonderful things where it all started, our roots. You know, and Damn. So I experienced, I, I know what you're talking about with, with Akon. Yeah. Being resources, and there's so many commodities there in Africa. Yeah. That, it's, a, it's a lot of corruption. That's the way That's the way it's Mexico, the same way. It's a beautiful country. They got all the resources, but they step on each other's toes, and, right. you know, it's a lot of corruption. That they, you know, yeah. cash yeah. talks and yeah. bullshit walks, you know, so. Yeah, man, it's, it, it's, it's like shit. It, it, um, it really opened my eyes to corruption. I would have to give people all the time really across the borders they'd be having the ak-47 yeah you know uh we had a guard outside of we kind of stayed in i call it concrete jungle it consisted of a like an apartment mm. it was like a community of you know expats and 
international, uh, you know, public health people that, you know, were trying to do better in the world and uh, really bring the resources and the water and, and stuff like that yeah. to these tribes that, you know, they, they still defecated in, in holes, man. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have running water. Dang. These people were around me. And, you know, all the guards had AK-47s everywhere you went. And, you know, they would, they knew I was from America. And they knew I, you were American, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. You I, stood out like a sore thumb. stood out. You know, my swag was different. And I, I, I had Nikes on. And my shoelaces weren't tied up. And I started seeing all the locals wear the shoes like me. And, you're an influential uh, person I didn't there. Realize, man, but you know, you wear your cap a certain way. You talk about you know you they, had like a certain way. They don't see, yeah, yeah. I wear my hat a certain way. They don't see a lot of African American males at all. You know, you're talking about all uh, you would see is Asian, English, British people, and other African people from African men from other other countries within Africa. So to see an African-American male in their small village or their city, they were just blown away and just didn't know it. They, they thought I was a rapper. Well, yeah, you know, the Africa was influential to me because I learned so much. Uh, it really humbled me, you know? Coming from, you know, I've always been blessed and grateful for everything I've had in the States. And when I got there, you know, man, just just a burger was just, you know, if you can get a burger, like you were good for the week. A burger? A burger, you know, something that we take for granted here in the States. So the, the beef is not a main, you know, you can't get beef over there. You can't, they don't, they're not really big beef eaters. They eat a lot of chicken, rice, and where I was in Kenya, you know, it, it you know, and just in Africa in general, the, the fruits are really, really a big thing, you know, and. So they eat healthy there. Oh, they're extremely healthy there. Everybody walked everywhere, you know, um, you know, they didn't, they don't really have cars like we have here. And um, yeah, you know, chicken, is a commodity, you know, fruit is a commodity. Yeah. And I remember, man, I would take a bus two hours from where I stayed. I was right on the, the border of Kenya and Uganda. Mm-hmm. And I would go to town just to eat pizza and just to eat uh, a chicken burger, you know, uh, Italian food. And uh, where I was, Italian food. Italian food, like, you know, you. So, so there's no pasta then? There's no, there was no pasta within reach, okay, where I was. Um, there was, there was some wine, that was imported from South Africa, yeah. and uh, but you know liquor and stuff like that. But you had to go two to three hours away from where I was, on the border of Kenya and Uganda, to actually get what you wanted, a, a, a full meal, you know. Yeah. So it, it, it was a humbling experience, man. Uh, I went to, you know, orphanages and I would play soccer with the kids. And I had I had brought toothbrushes for them for the first time and flip flops. You know, a lot of the kids never had flip flops. They were barefoot, barefoot for eight, nine years. You know, they never had toothbrushes. So it just really made me aware of how much we have in America, man, and how much we take for granted, you know. Man, 
that's that's true. So going back to when you came back to Atlanta, mm -hmm. and then then your primary focus is you were in IT, and then you, then you were doing the the sales, the distributing wine, right? You know, like the wine sampling or something, right? Well, yeah, I. What's interesting, man, when I moved back to Atlanta, yeah. um, you know, I was still in IT. I got, I, I started finding IT jobs, and mm -hmm. the the economy somewhat picked up, but yeah. it was just so competitive because you had everybody moving from there, from you know, from New York, uh, from Chicago, and the competition was just insane, you know, and yeah. I couldn't get any wine gigs uh, like I wanted. It, they just weren't accessible. And everybody was so competitive because there was still a recession. And yeah. not only was I competing in my IT field, but I couldn't even get side gigs for wine tastings on the weekends at a, at a, at a restaurant, at a, at a store. So, you know, yeah, it was it, it, it got tough. But uh, that's when I started meeting different people in the industry. I started meeting the chefs, as I said before, and um I started going to their restaurants and they started fixing me all these Mediterranean dishes and African dishes. And that's when I really started opening my mind and my palate more up to, uh, you know, ex ex like international wines, you know. So when you, when you came, when came here to Houston uh, and you met your girlfriend and you, uh, your wife now, mm -hmm. was she into wine already? She, she was into wine, but not as... It was just kind of a social thing, yeah. You know, for her, I I, I would drink it more consistently as I got in my mid thirties, mm -hmm. and um, I kind of I, I started introducing her to more wines uh, as we as we dated, and uh, she just kind of grew with me, you know. So, what are your favorite wines? What do you like, like whites or reds, or you like them all? Man, I, I you know, we're talking about early thirties, and you know, everybody's still on kind of uh you know looking at their finances they're not trying to spend 50 bucks so i started off with cabas and for those who don't know what cabas are they're they're the spanish version of champagne uh is it bubbly it is a sparkling wine sparkling uh it's wine. it's actually made the same way as champagne is made it's basically the same method how the how the producers make champagne so you so it's called cava c-a-v-a Okay, for those people listening, this we're taking you to school. He's gonna take you to school, break down some of these wines. Okay, so so yeah, man, it's it's you know, cavas they're really economical. Uh, yeah. You know, as far as and, and, and you know, we know that COVID right now, people are trying to be more, you know, financially aware of things and stuff like that. So cavas for all everyone who likes sparkling wines, go out and get you a nice cava. Uh, the cavas are not eight to nine bucks a bottle, okay. and, and they're really quality. And uh, they're they're basically Spanish, the Spanish version of champagne. Because you know you're spending you're spending money on on quality, right? Not the cheap, not the cheap stuff. Right, right. You know, so for, for those who want to learn more about wine i would definitely say if you into the sparkling world if you like the prosecco italian proseccos and the french champagnes yeah. and you say you know what i just don't want to spend 15 to anywhere from a hundred dollars get you a nice cava there you go so that's that's one of them what about your second wine my second wine is pinots and 
Pinot Noir, P-I-N-O-T-N-O-I-R. That is a red wine. Red wine, okay. And uh, so yeah, your Pinots, man, is smooth. It's 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 opulent. It's it's silky. You know that is, it's a very sexy wine. You know the Pinots, man. It's Pinot has different um, nutrients that actually enhance um, the attraction between male and female. And um, about to get that. Yeah, yeah. You got to get that, man. I mean, for all all of the fellas out there who, you know, you you. You, you may want to kind of wine and dine your lady or, you know, kind of romance. You want to have a nice, elegant uh, dinner. Yeah. Pinot is where it's at. It's sexy. It, it's, it's, it has a lot of red cherries, black cherries, raspberries. It has chocolate. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a really, really elegant. And they, they said that it's the most sexy. Is it aphrodisiac? It's, it's absolutely aphrodisiac, man. <laughs> it, it gets you in the mood, baby. You know? That's it. See you fellas hearing that out, you know. Take advice. Take advice from Best Wines. You know, so uh, tell us about your business. What do you basically do here, you know? Yeah, yeah. So my wife and I, um, man, I was I was with a distributor mm -hmm. and I got laid off. And uh, yeah. we were already running our business part-time. So yeah. we decided to go full-time. And basically what we do, we are a small production winery okay. and a showroom. So we do have a location. Uh, we do have a office and we have a warehouse where we actually store our wines. Okay. And, uh, you know, basically the way we operate, we do have the ability to deliver within a seven mile radius yeah. of our business. Mm -hmm. uh, we do ship, uh, you know, we could ship wine anywhere in Texas. And, uh, you know, we, we just launched our curbside delivery where you can actually come to our storefront. We'll walk outside. We'll hand it to you right in your car because, you know, we want to be safe and uh, we're, we're still in this. COVID. You know? COVID. Yeah. Do you feel that this um, that this COVID-19 is going to affect your business or you think it'll be flourishing? Because, you know, everyone's drinking. No one's going anywhere. Man, <laughs> I, I, I would tell you, man, this is the reason why we took a risk. Because we know that the number one industry in the nation right now is alcohol. Dang. You know what the crazy part is? The good part is, like, there's not too many drunk drivers because, you know, there's no bars. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that definitely more on a safe aspect, right? You know, I want yeah. people to be safe. And, uh, yeah, I mean, statistically, we were doing some research before we went full scale with our business in Texas consumed the most wine beer and liquor than any other state in the country here. oh man we like we like to sip man that's that's a good thing um and you deliver wine as well we do we do yeah. and so do you have a website up already or? yeah yeah definitely go to vesper.wine okay. uh no www uh you just go to vesper dot wine and that will bring up our website you know we 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 definitely support uh, promote professionalism, you know, uh, on our site. Uh, I, I would say our site is really classy and it's really intuitive. It's really easy to navigate around. We have all our wines there and we have different wine gadgets too. We have aerators, uh, you know, that take the sediment and release the oxygen 
out of your full body red wines. Uh, you know, we have wine kits, starter kits for people who want to get into the wine game and learn how to make wine. You know, yeah, uh, you yeah. do have a lot of different options on the website. So yeah, Vesper.wine. Definitely check it out. That wine. What about the, what about social media? Social media, man. I've been in the social media game for six years. I've uh, been making wine videos. Vesper.wine as well on IG. Uh, Vesper Wine on Facebook. Uh, Vesper.wine on Twitter. Twitter. So, um, do you do any Facebook Live videos? You know what? We we will be uh, doing some virtual wine tastings live we will be doing some scheduled uh, virtual wine tastings for for those who you know still just don't feel comfortable going out into the yeah. bar scene and, the, and uh, you know any uh, going to any wine bars and stuff like that yeah. we will be doing that as well as we'll be doing one-on-one -on -one wine tastings with my clients at specific restaurants on patios of course yeah. promoting safe distancing mm -hmm. and I'll be doing a one-on-one -on -one tasting uh, with a certified sommelier so you know I, I know my stuff and uh, I've been in the wine industry for six years so I have a lot of experience yeah that's cool man uh, so the people hearing um, what's the difference between a red and a white so the difference between the red and the white you know a lot of people don't know that uh, red grapes can can actually you can make red grapes from white grapes really? uh, yeah yeah so you can make red wine from white grapes Oh, wow, I didn't know that. I thought that the grape, the, the white grapes were just white wine. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on. Let me let me make sure I get that right. Okay. Let me let me think about my schooling. Um, so, yeah, you can make white wine from red grapes. Okay. Okay. So the, the, the difference between white wine uh, and red wine is you have white grapes, which are Pinot Grigio grapes. You have Sauvignon Blanc. You have Chardonnay grapes, and these are basically grown in different uh, places, different regions. Okay. And the white grapes are basically picked off the vines at uh, when they're riper. Uh -huh. You know, so the particular white grapes grow in, you know, California. They grow in Oregon. They grow in Washington State, where you have red grapes that are thicker skin grapes and they produce darker uh, basically flavors and uh, you know your differences your, your white wines of course are a lot uh, they have less acidity um, they have more fruit flavors yeah. uh, they're, they're, as far as the production they are made uh, different they're actually produced in what these huge vats that are at wineries and vineyards yeah. where you know the huge differentiator between white and red grapes is your red grapes are actually aged in barrels you know okay. so for all of the bourbon drinkers the cognac drinkers brandy armagnac they put a lot of these these grapes uh, once they crush the juice they put them in the same barrels as they age the uh the liquors in oh wow i didn't know that yeah yeah so, so. same type of concept same concept Right, barrel. very similar. When they say triple barrel whiskey. Right, know. right, yeah. right. So a lot of your your red wines, like your Malbecs, your your Cabernet Sauvignons, your Syrahs, uh, you know, a lot of these grapes are aged in the same barrels as liquor, and that's a huge difference in the white and the red grapes. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the alcohol content is a lot higher 
in red grapes. You know, so, it can, so you'll get more messed up with red wine then. You'll you'll wine definitely you'll definitely get you know, you you'll be feeling a lot, lot better when you drink your red wines. Uh, because they are bolder, they are they are fuller, they have more body, yeah, they have more tannins, and yes, um, you can't get twisted a lot more with your with your red wines than than your white wines. So that's 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 a little that's just the basic breakdown between your whites and your reds. And then you can mix it like tell us tell us uh James about like eating eating and then drinking wine. Like spaghetti would, would mm -hmm. go with the red wine, right? Well this is this is kind of what Vesper is gonna be promoting okay. is um you know I am certified in food and wine pairing. Okay. So you know being a sales rep for two to three years at different distributors I would host wine dinners all the time and I would get with the chefs and what we would do we would come up with the menu on uh, pairing particular wines with food so for those just starting out if you wanted to get into red wines you want to pair up your red your 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 white and red wines with food right so you know, if you're drinking a white wine, Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, you're going to pair these up with chicken, with fish, with green salads, with green vegetables. Uh, you know, there is a saying, what what grows together goes together. So, oh, I see. Yeah, what grows together goes together. So if you have those same, you know, flavors and fruits in your white wine, you want to eat the same salads and fruits with the wine that you're actually drinking. Okay. You know, yeah. if if you ha if you're having a, a, a full body red wine, full body red wines go with full bodied red meats. So what's full? What's full body? So full body means it has depth. It's bold. It's robust. Uh, that means it's it's a thick wine and it has high alcohol content. So an example is a Cabernet Sauvignon. And a Malbec, which are your bigger, big boys, big right? Boys. These are your big boys. So if you if you're having a big steak, which we're in Texas, and you we love our barbecue, yeah. you want to pair up a cab, and you want to pair up a Malbec with these red meats. Good shit. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. yeah. Yes, That's good, man. Uh, and what about a fish like a salmon? What would be what would be a good pair with a salmon? So your salmon, you can do, um, you know, a nice nice Pinot Grigio and as as I've evolved in, into the wine game I cook with I cook all my dishes with wine so matter of fact I cooked some salmon a couple of days ago and shrimp and I grilled it and I got a nice four to five dollar Pinot Grigio and I poured it on the salmon oh you cook with it you I cook it. with it yeah yeah so it, it enhances it, it complements your salmon, you know, I, I when I grill, when I grill out, I pour Sauvignon Blanc, I pour Pinot Grigio, and these are white wines, by the white way. Wines, white wines, yeah. And it enhances the flavors mm -hmm. of the salmon, the shrimp, the chicken. So these are white wines that you can pair up with those particular meats, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with salmon and shrimp, and um, you know, anything uh, seafood, like any uh, any sea creatures. You can pair up with the Sauvignon Blanc, the Chard, and the uh, the Pinot Grigio. Yeah, that's 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 pretty interesting. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, 
So speaking about pairing and speaking about uh, you know red Brits and whites, um, here do you also uh, for your business you have all kinds of variety of, of, of wines? We do, we do. We have um, you know when we started off we were waiting for our, our license from the state and you know we're talking about a, a tedious strenu uh, strenuous process to get uh, your, our winery license. The worst well, you know what I will actually say, man. We were able to expedite the process. Oh, really? Because of, you know, we're grateful that a lot of businesses just weren't opening up right now, so they have more time to kind of focus on getting all the paperwork expedited and, and giving everything transition to the state. So, um, we started off while we were waiting for our license we start off with non-alcoholic wines so we do have there's non-alcoholic wine there is non-alcoholic wines Get out of here. yeah man for those you oh, know i mean there's welches there's well but that's not there wine. well the non-alcoholic wines they make them the same way as they start off yeah. with alcoholic wines and then they extract the alcohol out of them so you're gonna you can start off with a pinot grigio a shard uh, you know a sparkling wine whatever and then they will actually extract the alcohol out of it and it's only about 0.5 percent alcohol which essentially makes it uh, a non-alcoholic wine and, and these 0.5 percent wow. less than a, a, a percent of of alcohol and um, these are these are geared more towards you know any pregnant women who you know uh, any it's any religious people you know Muslims uh, you know kosher Jewish you know who like the taste of wine but they don't want the alcohol in it they don't want the after effects they don't want you know they make so can you find this at like the regular store you can you can uh, you, you you know we definitely have some you good have options some we do have some good options here okay, uh, we have here? so we have kind of a Merlot non-alcoholic wine we have a french uh white non-alcoholic wine we have a sparkling rosé non-alcoholic wine and uh, these are these are rose. yeah we got a good rosé and uh we you know to start off with those and then we start off with our non-alcoholic options we do have a prosecco which is an italian sparkling wine we have a um you know we have some merlots we have a cab um so we have a lot of options and what we pride ourselves on is boutique wines meaning these aren't wines that you can find easy accessible at grocery stores at restaurants yeah. and we have relationships directly with the distributors and importers mm -hmm. where we you know try to get these wines that aren't mass produced and yeah. that aren't as brand driven you know, we, we will be carrying some brands eventually, but I like to hone in on the small producers because a lot of them aren't getting acknowledged, especially since COVID. Yeah. And you know what Helping I mean? Small businesses. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's definitely way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's important, man. Wow. That's, so it's either that people, the people that don't drink alcohol, you can definitely get your wine that has no alcohol, 1.5, but it's, you know, it's, you're not gonna get you're not even getting buzzed out. You're not you're not gonna get buzzed. Uh, you know, it's just for and and you know a lot of people they may have health problems and they're like, man, I st I love wine, but I just don't want 
you know, the alcohol may affect some aspect of my health. And, uh, you know, it's you, you could definitely try those options out. And it's it, it tastes the same to me as your alcoholic wines, but you're just not getting that alcohol effect. I guess you can pretend to be drunk. Yeah, you can always pretend, you know, hey, you know, I'm drinking, man. It's this is uh this is great. It's like, hey, that's not alcoholic, man. How did you even I had a friend that uh he, he's got a big drinking problem. He would drink he's he could drink anymore, so they he would drink the non alcoholic beer. Yeah, yeah. O'Doul's. Yeah, yeah. You have non alcoholic Heineken, you know. No Heineken? Yeah, yeah. So you have some non-alcoholic beers as well, and, and of course you got your wines, and it, yeah. it's it's a psychological thing. It's it's yeah, you're right. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, moving forward, do you uh, do you want to expand in like a couple of years? Make Absolutely. This grow. Absolutely. You know, yeah. what are your plans? What will you? Well, right now, you know, just starting off, we're literally mm-hmm. we're about two to three weeks off the ground we're still new and uh you know just kind of focusing on immediate expansion we want to expand our radius from seven miles to 15 miles so we are in kind of in that jersey village cypress area right now in texas and we want to we want to extend our delivery service out uh of course we can't ship anywhere in texas uh you know you have to pay shipping fees of course if you want your wine overnight it but we do have the option of overnighting your wine anywhere in texas or two to three day delivery what about what about out of state uh we do have certain um other states that we can ship to yeah uh we will be putting that on the website coming up because we get you know we we look on our website and we see people from virginia we see people from uh, michigan that yeah get on our site and like we, we see them actually go through and they're about to buy the wine and then they're like oh we can't ship oh, to no. our particular state so Golly. that's definitely in the plans of expanding you know as i said radius wise within the uh the area of our business but also expanding to other states that are interested in our wines also man that's yeah that's definitely you know it's in the horizon definitely yeah because, you know, yeah everyone's always been drinking wine it's right I mean, it will be know. here Bible terms, I mean, that's... Hey, it's, it's, it's historic, man. It's historic, man. It's like the oldest alcohol beverage. This is the oldest, you know, uh, one of the... I want to shout out to Black's Ferry Winery, uh, African-American winery uh, in Angleton. And, you know, we did some business together, and he's a great wine producer. And he produces sweet mead wines, which are essentially fermented honey wines. And speaking of, that sounds good. Oh, it's delicious, man. He has a delicious product. Uh, you know, great guy. Uh, you know, I was selling his wines all over the city. I was selling in the bars, and that's when I kind of got introduced to, to mead. And speaking of, of of his of history, this essentially is the first wine on the earth. You know, seriously. Yeah, you know, your indigenous African people, where civilization started, uh, they saw that they can ferment the honey into wine you know it's the same process fermenting the the, the you know the, the yeast adding the sugar and yeah. uh you have different flavors you have lime you have uh, mango you have traditional mead which you know the mead is Ma- mango mango wine yeah this is mango sweet honey wine that and good, he made different flavors i gotta get a bottle of that yeah yeah definitely yeah we have some 
Yeah, we have a traditional mead, which is kind of tied to, um, you know, your, 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 I would say your prehistoric, like, uh, like the dark ages, you know, they were drinking a lot of mead around that time, you know, and, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of history behind it, but yeah, we do carry like a lime mead, uh, a lime mead. Yeah. And, and you can pour this. It's hot in Texas, man. So this is the perfect uh, drink you pour. Uh, I've actually made my wife some spritzers. So I'll add Sprite. I'll add fresh uh, fruits to it. And then you just add some ice and you just pour it over the ice. And it's, it's delicious. Wow. It's like a mixed drink kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. You can make it a mixed drink. You can add a little vodka to it if you really want to spruce it up. And uh, or you could just have the mead itself. Drink it over the rocks. Or, or you can add cherries, you can add, you know, uh, any grenadine or anything additional you can add to it, yeah. Okay, and, and so there is, on your social media, you hanging out with Dwayne Wade and his wife. Yeah, man, that was, I man. Mean, tell me, I mean, three-time champion, you know, I'm a Spurs fan, they lost Oh, the yeah, game, we yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, Big Spurs that, fan, too. Yeah, tell me how that came about. Man, I got out the opportunity back in December 4th. Um, I got on as a wine specialist and a, and a retail sales rep with uh, Victory Wine Group, which is an awesome distributor uh, right off of West Little York uh, over by 290 on, on the northwest side of town. And, and they hired me on and uh, I got to join this great team of other sales reps and retail reps. And, um, you know, basically D. Wade, um, Gabrielle Union was a big shout out to them. Shout out, shout out to D Wade and Gabrielle Union, and uh, she was she's a big, you know, um, big wine drinker, and I was kind of doing some research on them, and and he he decided to get into the wine industry after he retired, and uh, you know he got with some some great producers in California, yeah, and uh, you know I was talking to my manager at the time. And she says, yeah, we're going to be bringing on D-Wade Wines. And I was like, what? I was like, that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. So about two or three months, you know, uh, we get in 2020. And uh, she says, yeah, he's going to be, him and Gabrielle Union are going to be coming to town at Papa Steakhouse. And uh, all the wine specialists and the sales reps, we're going to be having dinner with them and tasting their wines out. So I was like, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I love to be a part of it. So we, we VIP'd. For a uh, you know a private room at Papa Steakhouse off of Westheimer, and uh, I was I was hanging out and drinking some wine, and you know him and Gabrielle Union walked in the room, and man, it, they're such they're humble. humble. They're so they're so humble, man. They're such sincere, genuine people, and you wouldn't think of them as celebrities. You can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, yeah. and uh, you know. So you saw you saw you you were a brother. He was like. Well, he's like, yeah, you know, I was, I, I was the only African American guy on the team, but he saw me in the room. But there were other, you know, he brought some people with him that were African American as well. But but, but you though, you stood out though. I, I I guess so, man. I you know I guess I stood out and he um, you know. <laughs> so yeah, man, he he we. Hey, he came up, he spoke, you know, uh, they were really, really humble. We took pictures. And, yeah, there's pictures in there. Yeah, that's yeah. cool, man. So we, we, man, it was such an awesome experience. We were sitting at the table, and I was like, 
So, hey, you know, I got a question for you because I saw that he had like a cooking show. He had, he has this uh, a, a private chef uh, at their home and him and the chef were talking about wines and they were all over YouTube. And, you know, I've always followed uh, D-Wade's career and I was just into his career in basketball, but started looking more into his wine side. And I brought that question up at the table and I was like, so, yeah, I see you have this um this youtube channel about cooking and wine he was like oh man yeah you did some research huh i was like yeah yeah definitely you know i i'm, I'm a big fan and um you know he stood up at the table and 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 talked to all of us and introduced his wines and how is his wine is his wine good his wine is is, is incredible man is uh, red wine red wine yeah he has um he had a chenin blanc i remember doing a cab he had a red zinfandel and um you know he's uh eventually Victory did bring on the wines. They started distributing his wines, uh, you know, and yeah, he's an incredible guy and got a chance to hang out with him and smoke some cigars, smoke some stogies, and we were drinking his wine, That's man. A good combination, right? Wine, red wine with the stogie? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of your red wines have the same components uh, like tobacco, you know, uh, cedar, you know, oak, you know, you get this tree bark. And you know, that is another pairing that goes hand in hand, you know, for all of my, my uh, cigar smokers out there. I've always been a, a Monte Cristo, you know, cigar smoker. And, and um, yeah, you can actually pair up the cigars with red wine. So if you have a light stogie, you know, you want to you can do a Pinot Noir with the stogie. If you have a medium stogie kind of. Yeah. Go with a Merlot, and if you have this big, bold, smoky, barky uh, stogie, yeah. you're gonna go with the big boy like a Cabernet Sauvignon. You're gonna go with a Syrah. You're gonna go with a Malbec, and they have the same smoky flavors in the wine and in the cigar, so they go hand in hand, man. You see that? See that, listeners? That's he's giving you advice here. Shout out to my friend Hector. I need to get him on the podcast. He sells cigars. Oh yeah, yeah. I love to. Yeah, let's let's get on together, man. Yeah, he he lo- he sells cigars. Yeah. Uh, and I want to shout out my friend Rose, who's a big wine drinker. And uh, we were talking about cork and how you, you know, the what what, what would you call it? That's that's called a wine key. A wine key. Yes. Yeah. Okay, she yeah. gave me one, and you have to measure it, and then use. So tell us tell us the steps, and you have to you smell the cork. Yeah, you there. There's there's some steps. So you know, you get the wine key. It has two, uh, what we call two teeth, and um, you know when you when you first put um, the screw into the cork, you know you kind of you put it all the way down, and then you always put it on the first uh, tooth, and then you go on the second tooth, which essentially pulls out the entire cork. So there is kind of a, a technique and an art to opening up wine, you know, and, and as a sommelier and as a, a wine professional, you, you got you got to open your wines up correctly, man. Yeah, I did know that. And then, so tell us the steps. And then you smell the cork. Yeah, you could. You always want to smell the cork to see if it has a musty smell to it, to see if it's if it's uh, tainted, meaning that it could be the wine could be molded, and wow. you you can get a lot of um, kind of information just from the cork by not even smelling the wine or drinking the wine. And if the cork, uh, a lot of the sediment in the wine 
or the cork could actually spoil the wine. And when you, yeah, when you smell the cork, you can get a lot of information back on, wow, the cork doesn't smell good, so therefore the wine may not be good. So if you have, uh, should you lay down the wine? Like you buy wine, you gotta turn it? How's that? Well, when you, you know, there- You don't have it standing up. Well, you always want to lay the wine um, um, horizontally, mm -hmm. you know, because you want the cork to stay moist. And what happens when you have the wine like uh, vertical, vertically in the in the fridge, uh, you know, in your cabinet at home, the cork does not stay moist. So think about it if you have you always have to lay the bottle uh, horizontally so that the wine can stay in contact with the cork and it keeps the cork moist. Dang, I didn't know that. So yeah. I have a wine sitting in my closet. Yeah, yeah you, and that's another, you definitely don't ever put your wine, your red wines, especially in any moldy, dark, uh, any moldy, you don't want any light by any white or red wines. It could actually spoil the, the wine. You don't want to put it in uh, by any heaters. You always want to keep it in a cool, dark climate. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. you know. So that's kind of another thing too. You always want to keep your red wines at room temperature, mm -hmm. and you want to keep your white wines anywhere from about forty-five to fifty-five degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. And your red wine should be no more than about sixty-five degree Fahrenheit. Uh, so always keep those room temperature and uh, yeah when you when you get a red wine that's say you bring it home right let's say yeah. you buy a red wine for Vesper you bring it home keep it room temperature inside of your kitchen inside the cabinet but when you open it if you don't finish it then you put it in, in the refrigerator even with the red wine the red wine right so I didn't know that yeah yeah so if you get a screw top if you get a cork, you know, you want to put this baby in the fridge because you want to keep it fresh. I didn't know that. That's yeah. another thing. Man. I, yeah. I, I opened up that wine you recommended, the Columbia Crest. Right, right. And I didn't finish it, and I left it at the liquor cabinet. Right. So any red wine, guys, always put it in the fridge. And what that uh, does, because, see, your, your white wines actually hold longer than your red wines. So you could you could get a white wine. Of course, you always put it in. Uh, if you're not gonna drink your white wine right away, yeah, you could keep it on the counter. But if but if you're ready to drink it, you want to chill it. Oh. And if you and if you chill it, so your white wines you should always chill them about 10 to 15 minutes, cold as possible, before drinking. Oh, and then wow. your red wine you want to open up, take off the cap. You want to take the cork out and you want to let it breathe for about 15 to 30 minutes before you drink the red wine. Yeah, I gotta write this stuff down. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's, it's a lot It's a lot of little, you it's know, a, little it's, it's, it's hints and tricks. Yeah, it is a science to it. And, uh, you know, my wife and I learned a lot of this, man, because we are winemakers now. And- yeah, uh, really, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, okay, so I, haven't, I shouldn't have it standing up. I should always lay it down. Always put it, lay it to the side. Always lay it horizontally. Horizontally. 
Right. Okay. Now explain when it has like a, a year, two thousand fifteen, two thousand twelve. Yes. Is that older the better? The older the the older. So you have kind of uh, this saying in the wine industry, you know, um, it's like fine wine. The older it gets, the better it is. And that is definitely true. You know, a lot of your uh, big red, bold red wines, they are better with age because they actually firm, they actually age inside of the bottle and they age inside of barrels. And as they age, they gain more complexity. They gain more, um, they gain more a lot structure in the wine when you let it age more. So if you buy, let's say for all my Cabernet Sauvignon drinkers out there, and that's like the number one red wine in America right now. And, um, you know, if you get a 2019 Cabernet as opposed to a 2010, the 2010 will drink a lot better because it's had it's, 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 it's had time Ten to years. mature. It's had time to mature. So it's kind of like, just as we evolve and mature as human beings and get better, it's the same aspect with the wine. You know, it, it matures, it gets better, it evolves, it gets more complexity, more structure, and it just kind of gains more confidence yeah, in the wine, sure, you know? Sure. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. definitely a big difference. Man, that's, that's cool, man. We're almost gonna wrap it up, you know what I mean? Uh, we'll probably have to do another, another session, man. <laughs> we could talk about it. Oh, we talk about it all day, man. Um, so for those people, for those people that are early wine drinkers, what would you mm -hmm. recommend that they start with? You know what, man? I, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question because we have Moscato options. We have two Moscatos. We have uh, a peach sangria. We have a blackberry sangria. Okay. And um, I really, my job and is to evolve people's palates. Palate. So. For all of my sweet drinkers out there who drink sweet red wines and sweet Moscatos, you don't want to transition too quickly. And a lot of people, if they go from a Moscato yeah. to a Cab or a Shard, they're like, oh shit, this, this tastes horrible. And the reason being because they've went from A to Z. And you wanna start off with a light, wine right so you want to start off with a nice uh white for for my white moscato drinkers yeah go to a vino verde which is a portuguese light delicate fruity wine mm -hmm. then you go to an albarino and their stages these are different levels of white wines that you work your way up to the big full body pinot grigio sauvignon blancs and then for my red wine drinkers that like the red sweet wines yeah. that really want to evolve and get into the bigger bowl of wines, you want to start off with blends, red blends, right? Yeah. So you go to a red blend, then you go to a Pinot Noir, and then you go to a Merlot, and so forth. So there are stages I to... I didn't even know that. I yeah, man. With the Merlot or Cabernet. Yeah, I like yeah. I like red Yeah, yeah. I also yeah. like white wines, but... Mm -hmm. I, me, I've been drinking. I like the dry wines. Not I, really, I, I like sweet stuff, but I think to me, for me, it tastes better because it's already it's already sugar in there with the with the reds. Yeah, yeah. But the the sweet wines, it I, I don't know. Some some of them are too sweet. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like I've, I've done so many wine tastings in the city and dinners, and I ask people, hey, do you eat the same food every day? So you don't want to drink the same wine every day, and a lot of people don't realize that the more you taste, your taste buds and your palate evolves, oh. and it transitions. So your your palate is only going to allow, and it's only going to know what you give it. So if you drink sweet red wines and Moscatos every day, that's all you're going to know, and that's all you're going to basically recognize. That's all you're going to want to drink. So it's it's about transitioning. It's about levels. And that's Vesper's job is to elevate and transition your mind and your body and your soul to evolving into bigger wines. And, uh, you know, that's why I became certified. I do it for the people, man. I like and to connect so the people. So you should do a chart. Like. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. That way for beginners, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know the reds and then the whites yeah yeah and people can like follow that chart and there's definitely stages to this man like yeah, anything yeah. in life yeah you know it's, it's stages to elevating your your mind and your palate on the you know bigger and bolder wines it just takes time that's it that's it your words from james the sommelier expert wine vesper wines um also what do you have for those business owners that want to do their thing what, what is one of the what's the advice you can give them you know i would say definitely believe in what you're doing um you know we're we're in we're in an in atmosphere and a climate now where it's tough it's tough for a lot of people their businesses are closing down you know and i, I feel really bad yeah, about yeah. where the economy went and we kind of have to think of where we are now in this atmosphere in this current time and now is the time to really find yourself and to really evolve your passion mm, and you, got, you, got you you have time you know look look outside of of your everyday thing you've done in life you know yeah. the everyday corporate job because a lot of the careers have been completely eradicated mm. and there you may not be able to go back to that career because yeah. of covid so my advice is to anything you were doing part-time turn it into something bigger research look at the steps that it takes look at an llc you know versus a, a sole proprietorship start start researching the different licenses that you can get for your business yeah. you know uh really start looking into further on how you can further educate yourself mm-hmm. you know I, I i recently studied a uh a online business management certification from london uh, i got certified in business business management and Continue to elevate your education on whatever dream that you want to follow and your passion and learn everything you can about that particular that craft, craft. you know, hone in on that craft. Um, Really, really, really stay on, you know, being consistent, being ambitious about what you're doing, you know, have others around you that support your dream that elevate you, that believe in what you're doing, and that can give you the resources on how you can elevate, you know, in your business. Reach out to others that are in those industries. You know, Network. start researching them, networking. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know? Words of encouragement from James. I want to give a uh, thanks for being on the, on the Drive podcast. You want to give any shout outs? 
Yeah, I definitely want to give a shout out to my beautiful wife. Uh, I appreciate you. I adore you. Uh, you know, we, you, we've had a, a great journey and I think we're just beginning. Uh, shout out to my family. You know, uh, they, they've been encouraged and, you know, supporting throughout the years. You know, any friends and families who've went to my tastings, yeah. shout, out to, shout out to them. And uh, just shout out to everybody in the industry, man. Uh, yeah, anybody right. that I've come across who are in, in, in the, the wine bars, in the restaurants, who've helped me develop to where I am in life and uh, you know where we are as a business. I appreciate you. All right, man. All right. Listen, thanks for listening, guys, and tune into the next episode.